0: They don't want to just work for another big company to make more money for a company that already has a big bunch of money. (laughs) They actually want to know how the work that they do is helping make some impact on the world.
1: Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders, rewriting the rules of high performance at work. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Valley podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to Superhumans at Work. This is your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and I'm here with the incredible Tara Nicole Nelson. Now, Tara Nicole is the author of The Transformational Consumer, the founder and CEO of Soul Tour. Com. It's a personal development and coaching company where you learn how to master your inner well-being so you can succeed in life. What fascinated me the most is her history of doing incredible things from law, real estate, and being the CMO at MyFitnessPal. This is an incredible company that was acquired by Under Armour for hundreds of millions of dollars. And she was there behind the incredible growth experience and is now doing everything that she's learned to go back and inspire leaders around the world to do incredible things. She's been featured in Harvard Business Review, Success Magazine, Essence Magazine, the New York Times, you name it. She's the number one woman in Silicon Valley. Tech companies you should be naming on your board by Business Insider. We are going to have a hell of a treat today where we're going to talk about what has happened. We have a civil rights movement. We have the COVID. We have quarantine. Are these all negative things, or can we see some of the data behind everything that's happening in our world right now to perhaps be that we are on the brink of one of the biggest awakenings our planet has ever seen? Tara Nicole, welcome to the show. Thank you
0: so much for having me.
1: Now, Tara, it's so funny. We've been having so many conversations prior to this recording, so many insights, and the more I dig into who you are and what you do, the more I am fascinated. And I wanted to let the audience get a glimpse of your extraordinary history and how you found yourself being in a space where you wrote the book, the transformational consumer. And so you've been in marketing, you've been in law, like how do you find yourself being at this point now that you're really educating people on how to be more conscious and make an impact in the world?
0: I do feel like everything I've ever done, I don't know if you ever heard that Steve jobs commencement speech where he's like, you know, you look back and you can just connect so many disparate dots that's a little bit how my career has been because my original education and training was actually in psychology. I have a master's degree in psychology and a law degree actually practiced the law for a while and found my way into real estate where, where HGTV ended up recruit HGTV in the U S is a big, um, it's a television network around home and garden improvement. Um, They ended up recruiting me to, create a bunch of content for them. And from there, I ended up working in tech companies, including my fitness pal. And along the way, what I saw over and over again in various roles was that customers, even at a time, this was years ago. So this was, there was, a, there was, y'all won't remember this, but there was a time when everyone was saying email is dead. Nobody, email marketing, that's crazy. Right. Um, But I was getting, you know, tens of millions of people to come to the websites I was working for, to the companies I was working for, with one well-written email, so long as it had one thing. As long as the emails weren't actually about us as a company, the emails... Had, we had just dialed in on what the real life changes, the real world changes people wanted to make in their lives were. And we had sort of inventoried and figured out how we as a company could just help them remove friction along their real world journeys and trigger progress along their real world journeys into healthier, wealthier, wiser lives. And so that became the thesis of this framework that I created while I was working in various companies in Silicon Valley called the transformational consumer, that there was this consumer out there that would delightedly, loyally, profitably engage with the companies that helped them live healthier, wealthier, wiser lives. Um, So in my last role, I was the chief marketer at MyFitnessPal, as you mentioned. And when I left there, I, I spent some time and actually wrote a lot of the thesis about, you know, this idea of this specific customer existing and some of the stories from my career helping serve that customer up into this book, The Transformational Consumer. As I started sort of traveling and consulting with companies who wanted to serve this group, I realized that Many companies, many leaders, your your audience will relate to this, many leaders actually know what they should be doing to reach this, this audience, but they struggle with, like the individual leader in the company may struggle with having influence or voice um, within the company to get the whole company <laughs> excited and galvanized around doing work in this way. So I, I ended up doing the business that I do now, SoulTour.com, sort of in in reply to so many requests from CEOs and CMOs and like heads of digital transformation who really realized they had all of the right strategies, but they lacked in their teams lacked the inner well being to stay calm and focused. Um, and clear minded uh, and able to serve this audience. So I feel like what I do now is really just a, it's like the next frontier of well being. Um, and that's inner well
1: being, and it's a big frontier. I love it. And I wanted to dig a bit more about this transformational consumer here because if I'm working within an organization, it is Are we talking here about a certain demographic of clients that come to me, or is it a certain way of me operating as a business? How, how do we define and open this up a little more?
0: You are both right. Both of those things. Um... It's, it's, a, it's a framework, it's a new lens through which to think about your audience. So it can be looked at as more of a psychographic, I would say, than a demographic. Definitionally, transformational consumers are people who see life as a never-ending series of behavior change projects designed around the singular, ongoing, lifelong objective they have of living healthier, wealthier, wiser lives. What's fascinating is, um, you know, at the time that I originally wrote the Transformational Consumer, that was 2017, our research showed that about 50% of U.S. adults qualified as transformational consumers. They, that tracked to about $4 trillion in U.S. consumer spending annually at the time, or 25% of U.S. consumer spending. Then, you know, fast forward and COVID, we're actually in a pandemic, which turns basically everyone (laughs) into a transformational consumer as people are like constantly looking for information to be healthier, constant, you know, it has shifted so much of uh, online content consumption behavior. So it's really helpful. It's a helpful framework to apply to a market segment we knew was growing. Uh, We didn't realize that for at least some period of time, it was gonna be basically everyone. I do also encourage, especially companies right now in the civil rights, um, climate that we have right now, companies that are desiring, truly desiring to, to operate in more inclusive uh, ways. I'm really strongly encouraging companies to get real about the fact that their internal audiences are often largely also a transformational consumer. So we're getting to a stage where, especially like the best and the brightest in, our, in, in many like younger employee segments, they don't want to just work for another big company to make more money for a company that already has a big bunch of money, right? They actually want to know how the work that they do is helping make some impact on the world. Um, and they and they want to operate as transformational consumers, meaning constantly moving toward healthier, wealthier, wiser, even in their work life. Um, so it's it, re- it applies to both internal and external audiences. And it applies to, you know, in the transformational consumer framework, we don't see like customer and your consumer are two different things. Um, we ask companies to look at your transformational consumer as anyone who is trying to solve the real-world aspiration problem, the high-level human problem that your company exists to solve. And in that way, you begin to understand the problem and the solutions you can create for it in a way that grows big businesses and creates categories versus just incrementally you know, earning a tiny bit more market
1: share. I love it. So in essence, you were talking about an entire generation of people that is seeking continuous growth and you can see them as various stakeholders. Whether it's attracting the right talent to work for you, attracting the customers to buy from you, attracting investors to invest in you, I'm assuming fall all in the same category. It, it almost like I, I was just studying some stuff around. Um, I was watching a series from Mark uh, from Romans with Marcus Aurelius, and I, they were talking a lot about like Stoic philosophy being something that continues. So, is this kind of a natural? Um, kind of parallel to where the transformational consumer is. It's someone that's into continuous growth. And I'd also like to open the question is, if I'm not a transformational consumer, what is the not transformational consumer?
0: That's interesting. Yeah, I don't think about those people <laughs> as much. although. And here's one reason why. Because transformational consumers aren't just seen as transformational consumers to the companies that seek to serve them. They're seen as authorities by... Their entire spheres, their entire circle of friends and family. So transformational consumers, because they're on this sort of lifelong search, continuous growth, continuous improvement, they try a lot of stuff. They try, they know that behavior change is hard because they've tried to do it all the different kinds of ways before. So they try all the new products, they go to the new blogs, they try the new supplements, they do all the new things. Um, And everyone there, so they tend to be experimenters, they tend to be early adopters. And the people around them know that they're always trying things. So the people around them who are not transformational consumers, when they have a need for a specific product or brand or place to go that could help with a specific problem, they go to that person. So that's the one way in which I do think a lot about non-transformational consumers is that they tend to be um, constantly seeking the influence and input of the transformational consumers in their lives. And, you know, even when it it comes to the non-transformational consumers, everybody wants change. Let me say that. Everybody would love to live healthier. (laughs) Everybody would love to have more money. The transformational consumers are not just people who want it. They're people who, they have sort of an extreme growth mindset. All right. So they do not in any way, shape, or form settle for the idea that they are just playing that the hand of cards that life dealt them. They believe that even though behavior change is hard, they can do it. Right. So they they may be floundering, (laughs) but they're moving. Right. And that's that's a bit of the that's actually a core differentiator between the transformational consumer and the non-transformational consumer. The transformational consumer is always trying something. Whether it's working or not, it's almost irrelevant. Um, and because of that, eventually it does work. <laughs> things tend to, things, things, their change, and they, they do make change over time, even if they struggle on a specific one.
1: I, I was going to elaborate on the fact that you mentioned in passing that with the coronavirus, the quarantine, the civil rights movement, that the majority of us have been, quote unquote, forced to embrace a level of transformation as a consumer and I feel like this is a great segue into the fact that you shared with me such interesting data around a concept called the Great Reset. Can you tell us more about the research you've done on how this new wave of more people embracing transformation is shifting the very fabric of our economy?
0: I absolutely would love to. Um, part of the thesis of founding Soul Tour three years ago was that there was a recognition as I was working on the transformational consumer work that there I was saying... There is a great awakening underway. Like, it was happening then. It's been happening for some years. My sense is that maybe the coronavirus enabled civil rights movement, let's call it that for, that's my hypothesis, <laughs> that those things have rapidly accelerated some change, like consumer and philosophical and cultural and systemic changes that were beginning to be underway. We were seeing it with the Me Too movement. We were starting to see some things already. Um, the great reset. So, so right after the coronavirus hit and people realized, and in, you know, in the US, it took us a little longer <laughs> than it did everywhere else to realize we were all going to need to stay home for a while. And it's, you know, we've also had some issues figuring out that we probably still should be saying, <laughs> staying home for a while, but we won't talk about that too much. Um, when I was starting to have conversations with people, well, two things. One is I noticed how many soul tour students and members, people who had a deep daily ritual practice, people who had some frameworks for understanding that, you know, contraction always precedes expansion, including in culture and in human evolution, you know, people we'd been teaching for a couple of years on that stuff. I realized they were having a really different experience a really different and preferable to them experience of the pandemic than people who hadn't had that kind of training and practice. And so I started to kind of look at what was happening there. And as I started just talking to people casually, because I'm a, I'm a lifelong student, so I'm constantly interested. I'm a lifelong student of human transformation. So I'm always talking to people about their experiences. What I realized, I heard probably 10 or 12 different people say in private conversations that they were secretly relieved to be able to stay at home during the pandemic. Some of these people were people who had lost jobs or had had some pretty traumatic stuff happen. People who had, you know, few of them had personally experienced COVID, but several of them had relatives who had. And I was like, that's an interesting pattern, right? So I decided I would just do a survey. And I started this, so the survey was done in March. So the survey was done after coronavirus, uh, during shutdown in most of the U.S., before civil rights movement, um, and before George Floyd was killed. I did a survey of 1,000 Americans, just asking them a bunch of questions, seeking to understand their inner landscape and inner experience of the shutdown. And 77% of them said They felt relieved on first. Many of them also expressed feeling guilty for being relieved, but they said 77% said they felt relieved when they realized they would be able to stay home during the pandemic. Now, and just as a summary, almost it wasn't because they thought that would keep them from getting sick. (laughs) They felt relieved because there was something in their everyday lives that they'd been living up to that point in time that was not in alignment with their values or their priorities or what they now. You know with a little bit of still downtime had realized is actually important to them they felt relieved that they didn't have to commute or get the kids to school they felt relieved to have extra time there's a very very big theme in this body of work i'm calling the great reset of you know time scarcity is like a very pervasive cultural um it's honestly a scourge people are constantly feeling behind um, so 28% of them were excited to have extra time just to catch up on things they'd been putting off. Many of them felt relieved to not have to either go to work or see work people or not have to do things that they had planned you know, to have to do at work. And then I drilled deeper into this sort of to, to parse apart and unpack what was meaningful to these people in this experience. Over 60% of them said that the pandemic had caused them to rethink their priorities and, and values. Many of them, early on even, were starting to look for the for the silver lining. Where were the bright spots? 90% of people, even back then, said that they thought something good could come from this. Um, and many of them, 94% of people, said that there was some life change that they hoped that, that was coming about as a result of the pandemic that they hoped would never go back to normal. 94%. Only 6% of people were like, I fully stand by the life I fully stand behind the life I was living before this. Um, So we really, you know, have been looking at this period of time as a great reset for people helping, you know, helping coach and teach them how they can make the most of it. Because the challenge is many people desire to make changes to their lives in this time, but they kind of, you know, they desire to make changes every new year. And they know that they don't necessarily make those changes just because they desire to. So we've been taking it as a moment in time where we can like kind of grab them and, and sort of point out that if you seek to make your changes through the same lens of scarcity and same, same lens of unworthiness, same lens of self-criticism that you might've always tried to set goals, it's, it's not going to work this time either. Why don't we really make this a great reset? Why don't we, like I've been saying this, if we, if this is an, if this feels like an apocalypse to you, why don't you just let it be, let it be the end of the world as you've known it right? Inventory and identify that which you no longer seek to, that, that which has outgrown, you've outgrown, it no longer serves you. This is a crisis. What seems like a crisis is always a portal for potential transformation and disruption of, of the treasured but dysfunctional ways you might have been being in the past. So we've been, I've been excited to see people sort of embrace that to the extent that they can. And it does take some real inner (laughs) fortitude to do.
1: Tara, this is like, this is so important for people to be aware of. And I I love what we've covered so far, which is just the understanding that there's a certain demographic that exists, which is the transformational consumer. These are people that are seeking continuous growth. They jump into opportunities to grow, which means it comes with challenges, it comes with behavior change, which are some of the hardest things to do. And so for anybody listening, know that if you are someone that constantly is seeking to grow and change, and I feel like we can all identify this to a certain extent, but it's very aspirational because if, as you give me this label, I'm like, yeah, this is the journey I'm on. I have a label that I can associate to an identity I can associate to that strives for better. And I think we can all look at this and see how do I become a better transformational consumer myself so that I'm continuously growing and looking to make an impact in the areas that I will know a difference is needed. And then I pair this with what you just said, which is we're now seeing the data around the fact that this great reset, we're basically... Uh, for lack of a better word, being slapped awareness into our face, and you know, if I look at any type of transformation we do here for myself or things I've done with Mind Valley, awareness is always the first step that is required for people to understand a change is necessary. And so, I wanted to end this with possibly a bit of prescription here, because if I've been listening to this, and I'm like. Yeah, I do realize that the great reset made me be aware of things I was doing that weren't serving me, whether it's from a financial perspective, happiness, fulfillment perspective. Okay. Now that the awareness is there, it's usually uncomfortable. So as a prescription here, at Tara Nicole, like, do we have a what now? Like what are some simple things I can do with this awareness that I can go and seek to be the best version of myself?
0: It's funny. Like I teach daily ritual, I teach all these prescriptions. I'm like, you gotta sit for a little bit every day. You got to sit and like get, just dial down the pace of your thoughts a little bit, just a little bit, but every day, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then you got to write a little bit and let let whatever clear the emotional, windshield wipe your emotional slate, right? Get all the grudges and grievances and dreads and anxieties, grudges and grievances of the past, dreads and anxieties of the future. out. Capture whatever downloads you got while you were sitting. Um, and then I teach, you know, a couple of more components to it. But honestly, I tell people, if you can do one thing, the free writing practice is the one. And especially if you're in a season where you're like, okay, I can see some things. I can see some things that are not, no longer serving me that I'd like to let go of. And I'm not sure what to do with it. There is a level of pattern spotting. Willingness to go into your own shadow parts, right? All the repressed and rejected pieces of yourself, your fears and painful emotions. Um, The writing tends to become your, it becomes your confidant. It becomes the cashmere blankie where you know you'll be able to get comfortable again. So you're more willing to take a hard look at uncomfortable things. And there's a level of like integration and pattern spotting, processing that actually happens that is Truly transformational to who you are that takes like just that momentary insight that you get and makes it more like an actual change that happens in writing in a way it almost doesn't happen in any other context. even like in therapy and talking to a therapist, which is good. It's not the same, <laughs> right? Like the great therapist will tell you to also be writing. Um, also be in you know, you can call it journaling, you can call it morning pages. you can do it. I don't even care. I think people get way too hung up on how. It's more like do it, (laughs) just do it in a way that works for you. And that feels like not a chore. Don't make it a chore. Don't make it a thing you hate to do. Make it delicious. Make it your treasured friend. Um, and, and you can honestly, if you did that for 30 days, you would see things
1: start to shift. I love it. Now I wanted to ask you one more thing that feeds on this. So Tara Nicole, I, as an individual, like I know the value of this. I was going to say, can we apply the same kind of practice As an organization, because it sounds like doing kind of an audit to the organization, especially at a time where so many things are changing. And for everybody listening, um, we're going to have some more details where you can learn about this great reset and what's changing the consumers are doing. So as a company, can I apply the same practice?
0: I think you almost have to. So like uh, the book, The Transformational Consumer is written like a hero's journey for a company, right? So the quests and battles, if you will, are like a methodical way of rethinking your product, rethinking what you actually sell, rethinking who your customer is. You kind of have to. And you saw, um, and, and I think it, it really only, wor- what I'm seeing right now is, there are a bunch of companies that are willing to do it as a company, but without the individuals in the company also being in a transformational mindset, they kind of, there's a big friction there that gets hard. Um, but coming out of this, I was, I was just on a call with the CEO at Peloton. Um, and it was like, it was a little bit of a case study in what happens when the leaders of the company are deeply like just committed to transformation mindset and the company as an organization does that because he just kind of could speak freely about their own individual feelings about the civil rights things that were happening and also the 200 point plan that they are working. And I mean, it was like, he knew he was not speaking from notes. (laughs) He was like, we're doing this and we're doing this and we're redistributing this and we're doing this and we're doing that. And like, here's why, and here's why it matters. And we're, you know what I mean? There's a level and you can see that you can see, you know, I do, I think companies almost have to do it. Um, in the especially in this season, especially consumer companies, but really all
1: companies. Tara Nicole Nelson, thank you so much for coming here and sharing these amazing points for everybody here. I want to make sure that if you're listening to this, definitely look more into the transformational consumer. We will have all the links to this, as well as Soul Tour, all the amazing initiatives that Tara Nicole is working on that is really pushing humanity forward. I love everything that we've covered here. And I think one of the greatest lessons we can take from here is the more you care about the growth, the transformation, seeing the world a better place, you're going to notice that as an individual, you can grow. As a company, you can scale. You can start attracting people that work for your company that also want to see those right types of transformation. And as was mentioned, Everyone is looking to transform at some level. And so if your organizational culture embraces transformation, we know here at Mindvalley, when we've done this, we're able to attract talent from around the world to come and they're at the top level. You will notice the same trend within your company, within your team, if you're able to embrace these things. Speak openly about what transformations you want to see in the world. And I think now more than ever, with the civil rights movement, there's already a great place to start stake your stance and go make the changes that can happen in the world so we can make it a better place for absolutely everyone. Tara, Nicole, thank you so much again for sharing your amazing insights and everybody listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Jason. My name is Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast.